Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. here that I uh, don't feel as though I will conclude everything that I'm feeling in my heart tonight. Maybe the next few Wednesday nights we'll talk about this subject and when I announce uh, this subject it's going to um, seem pretty general but I can't think of a more important subject and I can't think of anything that we should be focused on in this day and time we live in like this. And so uh, I want you to keep that in mind as we look in the word of the Lord to St. John chapter 15, St. John chapter 15, and we'll just begin there with the first verse and go down through verse 8. In the next few weeks, we might use other text as a jumping off place, but tonight I want to use this text, but we'll continue with this theme. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit." For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. And uh, I just want to use this text to teach uh, over the next few Wednesday nights as the Lord allows. And, of course, that's subject to whatever uh, the Lord would lead us into. But uh, this is the plan. I want to talk about building a relationship with God. Building a relationship with God. And I know that corresponds a little bit with the last uh, series, if you will, that I taught about deepening your walk with God. But um, this is going to be different, and uh, I trust that you will receive it as something that the Lord has placed upon my heart. Tonight I'm going to kind of talk about some foundational things, and then uh, hopefully in, in, in the future we're going to talk about a relationship with God and how it is an advantage to you personally. And then through people having a relationship with God, I'm talking about us having a relationship with God, how it is an advantage to those that 
do not know the Lord or perhaps uh, people that we're connected to that maybe have either they don't know the Lord or maybe they've once known the Lord and they've walked away from Him or they're cold in the Lord. But through a person that is connected and has a relationship with God, it's a benefit and blessing to them uh, to know and be connected with someone that knows the Lord. Amen? And uh, many of us are here tonight because uh, there were people in our world that knew how to pray, that knew how to touch God, that knew how to carry a burden, that were sensitive enough to the voice of God to listen to Him speak and relay it on uh, to us. And I'm thankful for that. And I don't believe that that needs to stop now. I believe it needs to continue. And so people that are around you, if you have a relationship with the Lord like you need to, they're going to be impacted by it. And it's going to be a blessing to their life. And so let's, with that, I, I've got many other things I want to say, but let's, let's just pray that the Lord's blessing be upon uh, this lesson tonight. Jesus, we thank you so much for the very privilege that we have of being in your house, feeling your presence, able to worship you. God, knowing, Lord, and having a revelation of this wonderful and beautiful truth. And I thank you, God, for this night. I pray that you would bless these people. Help us to receive from the Word of God and be strengthened by it, challenged by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I know it can seem pretty trite for me to announce a title like Building a Relationship with God. It almost seems like a well-worn religious cliché for a preacher to get up and talk about a relationship with God. However, as I've already stated, I could not think of anything that is more important to us as individuals than to have a relationship with God. I cannot think of anything as a church uh, than for the members of that church, the vast majority of the people of that assembly to have a real relationship with God. A relationship with God is something that is discussed often. It's talked about and referred to by people, and most of us that have lived for the Lord and served God and been around the church, we've heard the testimonies of people that really had a close relationship with the Lord, and we've admired that. And uh, we've gleaned from their example and been blessed by that relationship that they had with the Lord. And perhaps there's somebody, when we talk about a real relationship with God, that comes to mind. There's somebody that stands out to you. Maybe it was their prayer life. Maybe it was their ability to uh, tap into the things of the Spirit. Maybe they were used in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, whatever it may be. But it was indicators that they had a relationship with God. Let me just start at the foundation, what it, what it takes to have a relationship with God. And this may come uh, as a surprise because a lot of things that we talk about in regards to relationship with God, we start with uh, things that are really the outgrowth of a relationship with God or the beginnings. Uh, you know, we, we don't get down to the root of it. And that's where I want to go tonight is down, first of all, to the root of it. First of all, to have a relationship with God, there has to be a change in a person's nature. How many knows that there is uh, 
animals, wild animals, undomesticated animals in nature because of the nature that God placed in them, it's impossible to really have a relationship with them. We all have uh, and known of people that have had uh, things as far as pets and dogs, maybe a cat or some other uh, animal that was domesticated and you could have somewhat of a relationship with. And it is amazing to see what people have been able to train, say, a dog to do. I was just uh, on a short, brief hunting trip here not too long ago, and uh, there was a retriever that the guide had. And, uh, man, that was, that was great because we didn't have to get out in the cold and in the wind to retrieve the geese that we shot, but the dog would go out. And, I mean, I've never seen any dog work so hard and enjoy it so much. It got out there and retrieved those geese and brought them back to us and all the while wagging its tail and just looking forward to the opportunity to do so. And uh, this was something that they had trained it to do. And I noticed that there were certain little cues that, uh, the master of this dog would give to it because it had been trained by him. He knew what cues to give. And then I was talking to the man that owned the operation, and uh, this is something that he did uh, throughout the year, not, not just something he did seasonally, but during the off-season of the uh, goose and duck season when, when people were not hunting, this is how he sustained himself, was training dogs. And I was astonished at the amount of money that he received. I said, well, how much does a good dog cost? And uh, I found out it was easier to go pay a guide for a day than to get into this all the time or to own my own dog. I thought, you know what, I'll probably have to take out a loan if I was going to have one of these dogs and plus feed the thing. He said, well, I get per dog $500 a month to train him. I said, well, you know, how long does it take? I was thinking maybe 30 days, month, two months. He saw about a year or two, depending on the dog. I said, well, that's pretty good living, isn't it? I said, I see you got about 10 dogs out there in these pens. And uh, they told a story about one man that would fly over from Houston in a helicopter, land there and there. It's kind of out in the rice area, rice field, land and uh, come over and check on his dog. Uh, and uh, putting uh, gloves on. He was a germaphobe. I can't imagine being a goose hunter and owning a dog and being a germaphobe, but he was a germaphobe, and he put gloves on, petted his dog for a few minutes, get back in his helicopter and fly back off again. I said, some folks have got more money than they got sense. <laughs> but these are animals that you can have a relationship with. And there's, there's a nature there that is domesticated. But even in that same family or species, we wouldn't think of having a relationship of any value with a coyote or with uh, some species of wolves. I know that there has been some that have been tempered and domesticated, but uh, there's a nature that is there that you, that's unpredictable. Uh, we don't think of having a relationship with a rattlesnake. We don't think of having a relationship with a copperhead. We don't think of having a relationship with a crocodile or an alligator. Uh, if that is your desire, um, you know, I suppose you could go out in Appalachian area somewhere and find a, a church that does all of that. But we're going to 
we're not going to get involved in that kind of stuff around here. We're going to believe and have faith in God. And uh, I'm not going to tempt God. Praise the Lord. And so what are you saying? I'm saying it takes a born-again experience, a change of nature for you to be able to have a relationship with God. The Bible talks about the Gentiles being wild by nature and being grafted in. In other words, uh, the Lord did a work in their lives to be able to give them the ability to be a part of His kingdom and to work with them. Aren't you thankful that God's grace extends to you and I? And no matter what we were before we came to God, there's a change that takes place. And the Bible says it this way, all things become new. Now that doesn't mean that if we stop somewhere in in maintaining this change that God has given us that we cannot revert back to that old nature, sinful nature. But if we'll live for God and be led by His Spirit and stay full of the Holy Ghost and maintain a prayer life and be faithful to Him and obedient to His Word, we don't have to revert back to that. We don't have to continue in sin. We don't have to uh, continually struggle with the same things over and over again. But God can break that cycle in our lives. And so it's our responsibility to maintain that relationship with God. And we're going to talk about some of those things in the future. Uh, I, I know that most of us know the general things uh, that it takes to maintain a relationship with God. Let me just start by saying that if you spend no time in the presence of the Lord, it's going to be difficult to have a relationship with the Lord. You have to be comfortable being in the presence of God. And a person that is walking in disobedience or sin is not going to be comfortable in the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, they should not be. There should be conviction that comes. There should be a a check that comes in our spirit that I need to make this right. I need to get this right. But if a person is stubborn and they want to continue on in their sin, there's going to be an uneasiness when they come into the presence of the Lord. That's why you'll see when really a service gets to cooking and it's fired up and God's moving and the Holy Ghost is is really working in a place, people that want to hold on to their sin, they're uncomfortable in that kind of atmosphere. They have trouble joining in the worship. They have trouble joining in the spirit of prayer that is there. They have trouble connecting as they need to. And uh, that's, that's one of the visible signs that, that something is, a, is amiss, something is wrong. Amen. I, I want to be able, if it's time to, to be broken in the presence of the Lord, it's time to weep, I want to be comfortable doing that. If it's time to, to worship and to shout, then I want to be comfortable doing that. I don't want it to be strange to me. I don't want to look like uh, I don't know what's going on or I'm unable un, un, to, to get involved in what, what is taking place. But God, help me to be able to get in the vein of whatever you're doing and however you're moving. And it's not always the same. However God moves here tonight, He can move in a different way Sunday morning. And from Sunday morning to Sunday night, we see how that God moves in different ways and ministers in different ways. And so it's our job to stay open and stay uh, sensitive to and maintain 
that relationship with God. Any healthy relationship requires work. Hello, all you married folks. It requires work. Amen. And uh, there's, I don't mean work in a bad way. I don't mean work in a negative sense. What I am saying is, is there's going to have to be some diligence involved. There's going to have to be some effort put into it. Investment made. Sacrifices even made. But you don't see it necessarily as a sacrifice when you love that individual. You don't always uh, try to measure it out. You know, uh, if you're always one of those that says, you know what, here's my list. I do these things. You do these things over here. And you got your column. I got my column. And I'm keeping score. That's not much of a relationship. Hello? Amen. But a relationship comes out of a person uh, having a love and a respect for that other individual that says, you know what, uh, I willingly do these things and uh, I do it because I have a love and a respect for this person and I want to uh, give myself in these areas to them to prove that love. And, uh, you know, it just comes natural. Uh, it just comes natural. You want to spend time with that individual. I'm always uh, amused by, by uh, couples when they're, I guess you'd say courting or dating, whatever you want to say. Uh, when they're courting, you know, there's not a lot of encouragement to, to get them to call one another or to communicate. You don't have to have a pep rally to get them on the phone with one another. You know, it's usually you've got to limit. If you're a parent, you usually have to limit time and and say, you know, there's other things that you've got as far as responsibilities to do. They lose track of time because there is just a, there's a, a budding love and, and desire that is growing. And uh, they want to get to know and, and they want to communicate. And they want to share uh, experience that they had during the day with one another. And so uh, these are things that are just natural for a healthy relationship. Then there are signs that a relationship is unhealthy or it's in trouble. And I want to talk about some of those things, not as a condemning, in a condemning way, but in a way to challenge us so that we will recognize them. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, we need to be able to recognize those things. Symptoms that are rising in our lives, we need to be able to recognize them and say, you know what, this is, this is uh, signs that I'm coming down with a condition here that is going to affect me spiritually. The first thing sort of coalesces with what I've talked about thus far, and that is uh, the first sign in an unhealthy relationship with God is apathetic attitude towards worship. An apathetic attitude towards worship. Just as in the physical, there are certain symptoms that, that reveal spiritual sickness. We're right here on the flu season, if you couldn't tell by the prayer list. Uh, and there are certain symptoms that people come down with. And uh, nowadays, you don't uh, always have to go to the doctor. You can, you know, they've got all of these self-diagnosed online deals you can go on there and you can just about get on, get your own prescription anymore i mean you can go on there and find out just by reading the uh, symptoms what what you got and uh, 
doctor.com or whatever it is. And uh, fever and sore throat and, and body aches and pains and, and all of this kind of thing. Well, people pretty much surmise that, that this time of year and with others around getting it, that this might be the symptoms of the flu. And uh, I pray against that in Jesus' name. Amen. But when a person is apathetic towards worship, it's symptomatic of an unhealthy relationship with God. It is a sign that that person is falling or has fell out of love with God because there's nothing that is any more natural to us as a child of God than to want to worship the Lord. Amen? Now, I don't need to say that that all of us here understand that it's inherent within us. God put it in us from the, our creation that we are born worshipers. Everybody here, whether you want to admit it or not, you're a worshiper of someone or something. People are not always worshipers of God. Sometimes they're worshipers of themselves. They worship the creature more than the creator, the scripture says. Sometimes people are worshipers of money. Sometimes they're worshipers of accolades and they're worshipers of, uh, of whatever it may be. And they've let that take the place of what they truly should be worshiping and that is they should be worshiping God. But we're all created to worship. And so don't tell me that I, I'm just not emotional. Just don't, don't tell me that I just, uh, you know, that's not me. I'm not into that. Oh, no. Amen. I've seen some of you when your little child got out of control. And I've seen that you can't get emotional. Amen. I've seen you when somebody did something that you didn't like. And I've seen that you can, in fact, get emotional. I've seen some of us that have went through dark places in our lives. And it's proven that we can be emotional. Those emotions are not necessarily in and of themselves uh, a sure sign of a person's spirituality. I understand all of that. But God did give us those emotions to express, first of all and foremost, unto Him and give ourselves to Him in worship and in praise and in thanksgiving unto God. It's scriptural. I said it's scriptural to clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. It's scriptural to lift up your voice unto the Lord. That's Bible. It's scriptural to sing unto the Lord. It's scriptural to leap for, oh, I'm too emotional for that, Pastor, to leap for joy. That is scriptural. Amen. It is scriptural to dance before the Lord. David did it with all of his might. Amen. And so on. So we see that there is uh, physical things that we can do to show forth praise unto God. It's not all just with our hands clap, clasp and our, and our uh, mouths uh, tightened down shut, clamped shut. That, you know, it's not all just meditation. It's not all just in your mind. You've got to be willing to manifest that and let it go and worship the Lord. Praise God. And if a person is apathetic in their worship, it signs that, that, that there's trouble somewhere. If they can't get into worship, that signs that there's trouble somewhere. If a person has to be continually prompted and goaded and persuaded to praise and to worship God instead of it coming 
uh, out of their heart as their love for God is expressed. Come on, worship ought to be spontaneous. It should not be something we have to prompt or cheerlead people to do or, or, or give you little colloquial phrases that inspire you to do so or quote uh, uh, all the, the, the main scriptures that would, that would inspire you that it's, that it's biblical to worship. You know them. You know it's God's will that you give praise and worship unto God. It ought to be a spontaneous thing. It ought to be a natural thing. In an apostolic church where the Holy Ghost is moving, it ought to be something that we freely give unto the Lord. We shouldn't be stingy with it. We shouldn't withhold it. Amen. But we should give all knowing that we couldn't give enough. I can never worship Him enough. I can never praise Him enough. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, so churches that, that, are, that are unhealthy, they have to resort to fog machines. They have to resort to light shows. They have to resort to shallow performances. They, they've got one hour of, of worship set and 15 minutes of preaching, and that's timed with a, with a timer on the back wall. Don't go over. The, I, I know what I'm talking about. I've been there. You've got, you got a clock on there, and they said, when that gets to that place, preacher, you're done. Or we're done whether or not you're done or not. I said, okay. Uh, I understand that I probably won't be back here. Praise God. But I'm just telling you that's not openness to a move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I don't know that God's real pleased with that kind of an attitude or that kind of a spirit. I, I just want to tell you that you cannot always measure worship just like uh, the lady with the alabaster box, she came and broke it and let it all pour out. She didn't take and pour from it and just measure a little bit of it and say, I'm only going to give you this much, God, and that's all you get at this particular time. And if I feel to come back again, then I'll give you a little more at that appropriate time. No, she broke the box. You cannot measure worship. You cannot tell me, amen, that I'm just going to, I'm just going to be a little bit involved. I'm just going to be a little bit of a worshiper. Oh no. If you're a true worshiper, you're pouring your heart out and it comes from the depths of your soul. Hallelujah. Let's give praise to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I doubt they had this Super Bowl last Sunday and uh, I doubt that they had those that were there I doubt they had to uh, do a whole lot of prompting when their prospective team, those fans, when their prospective team uh, ran across the line to make a touchdown into the end zone. I doubt they had to do a lot of prompting for those that team's fans uh, to get on their feet or to clap or to cheer or whatnot. I doubt that was the case. In fact... It was spontaneous when there was even the prospect of that happening, the prospect of a score. The, the good, maybe they didn't even make it across the line. Maybe they just made a good play that progressed the ball down the field. I'm certain that there was cheering, so much so that you could hear it from miles away from that stadium, I'm sure, because, you know, many of you have probably uh, driven around through town here and, and had the occasion or maybe in another town had the occasion to drive by a, a stadium when a football game is going on, and you can hear them roaring and cheering. 
you know, from blocks away. Why is that? Because there's an excitement and a thrill that comes with uh, their team winning or doing something good, making a good play. Well, I want to tell you something. We're serving the one that wins all the time. He's not a sometimes winner. He's not unpredictable. He's not inconsistent. But the Bible said in him, there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Amen. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise the Lord. So he's always worthy of us to give him praise. He's always worthy of our very best. Amen. He is always victorious. Amen. It was written in the Word of God that He always causes us to triumph. Amen. Therefore, we give Him praise. Therefore, we worship Him. Amen. And if you can't get excited about Jesus, amen, there's something wrong. There's something terrible going on. There's something askew in your life. That's just the way it is. Amen. And if you become critical of worship, that's a real problem. Amen? Um, Michael, David's wife. David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant, which is typical of the presence of the Lord, to the city of Jerusalem, which was a lifelong dream, really, for him. He's excited, obviously. He's out before the ark and he's dancing. And I don't need to go through all the details of the story. But when he makes his way into the city, he probably really, as it gets closer to where he's actually going to see this dream come true. I'm sure there's even more excitement and thrill and emotion involved. And uh, even more intense worship that is taking place than there was on any portion of this journey. You know, the closer you get to victory, the closer you get to where the breakthrough is. You ever seen it in an altar? You ever seen it in a person's life when they're worshiping the Lord and and they feel that breakthrough, they feel that unction of God's Spirit, they feel that touch of the Lord that they've been looking for and that confirmation that that God is working and, and suddenly it seems like it intensifies. Well, I'm certain that's the way it was with David. And when she looked through the window, she should have been out there on the streets with David is where she should have been. You see, when you get separated or you separate yourself and you isolate yourself from worshipers, uh, that's the first sign that there's some trouble. When you can't get involved, when you hang back, when everybody else goes to the altar. When you hang back and, and uh, you, you, you know, you do all kinds of things people can to divert themselves from needing what they need to do is pray and what they need to do is, is, is get involved in the service, but they'll hang back and they'll visit with somebody else or they'll go out to the restroom a couple, five times and, and, uh, and they'll, they'll do something else. They'll dig around in the purse. They'll balance their checkbook. they get on and check uh, their phone for the 20th time in church do all those kinds of things because they're trying to divert their attention from what they really should be focused on, and that is getting in contact with God. She was looking down through the window. She was a spectator. There's always a danger in being a spectator and not being involved and a participator in worship. 
Amen. You remember, you remember when you was a new convert, I mean, right out of the chute. You, you came to church. You were looking forward to the opportunity to, to, to get involved in the worship. You was not skeptical. You didn't come to church uh, uh, and have to have everything just perfect and right. They didn't have to sing your favorite song. The preacher didn't have to get on your so-called candy stick. Nobody had to do the right thing to get you prompted to worship God. You didn't have to have somebody that that, uh, could turn your crank per se. But you just come to church with the idea that, you know what? I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful that I've been included in the kingdom. I'm thankful that he saved me. He washed me. I've been cleansed in his blood. Amen. You you came to church. You, You didn't worry about what anybody else said, thought, whether or not they liked it or didn't like it, you were there to worship God and give praise to the Lord. Amen. You were looking for the chance. You were looking for the opportunity to give praise unto the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Just, amen. Just, just easy to sing. Easy to worship. Easy to rejoice. Easy to get in tune with the Spirit of God. Participator. Involvement. You know what? Sometimes you've got to get this flesh by the nap of the neck and be the one that takes control of the situation and says, I'm going to make myself get involved. I'm going to make myself be a participator. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to withhold. I'm not going to withdraw. Because that is the thing that the devil always wants people to do when discouragement comes. And if you isolate yourself... It won't be long until you'll become bitter. Because then you start justifying things. Well, this is why. This is how come. Amen. And you isolate yourself from the altar and you will not survive very long. You drift away from the altar. This is where your moorings are. You're in danger when you drift away from the altar. You've got to stay connected to the altar. And the scripture says this. Well, we talked in our verse, verses about the vine and the branch being connected to the vine and it bearing much fruit through staying connected and staying in contact with, keeping things healthy and maintained there. The Bible says of Michael that she never bore a child. She was barren from that time on Uh, there's a lot of speculation about that but the fact is that she was not fruitful she was not showing forth the blessings that she could have enjoyed and experienced in life because you cannot you cannot be blessed and be bitter at the same time you cannot be a critiquer and an analyzer of things, and be blessed, amen, you'll be disconnected, you'll be distracted, you'll be unable to receive what you need to receive. And in every service, God has something for us. It's our job to stay connected. There's things flowing, there's things happening in the spirit realm that are not seen with these physical eyes. They're not able to be They're not able to be discerned with physical senses, but there's things happening in the Spirit in every church service right here tonight that God wants to disseminate to the body of Christ. And the only way that we can receive it is to be connected to it. 
So don't allow there to be some kind of a block in the flow and, and a hindrance to the flow and a distraction there. Worship in churches are revival churches. They're life-giving churches. Worshiping churches have folks receiving the Holy Ghost. Worshiping churches have folks being blessed and renewed in the Holy Ghost. So I don't know. I don't know if I believe, you know, I'm a word man. Well, you ain't much of a word man if you don't know how to worship God because this book from cover to cover talks about worship. Amen. You're looking at a word, man. And I can tell you what the Bible says about apostolic worship. It's not just something that we do if we feel like it. It's a responsibility that we have unto God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's give praise unto the Lord. You standing back and judging the situation is not an indication that you're spiritual. It's an indication that you are carnal. Because if you were spiritual, you'd know to get in the flow of what God's doing and worship right along with the rest of us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. And I again, I want to clarify that I'm not saying these things or pointing out these symptoms to be critical or to be condemning. I'm doing it to challenge us to recognize them in ourselves and take evaluation in ourselves. You diagnose that flu, you can diagnose this. You get online, you diagnose, oh yeah, I got this going on, got that going on. Mm-hmm. Must be that I've got this or that. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you some symptoms here tonight. You diagnose yourself. Or let the Word of God diagnose you. Second sign of an unhealthy relationship with God is that people get what I call the comparison syndrome. The comparison syndrome. When a person starts measuring their spirituality with another, it isn't a real healthy sign. First of all, all of us are at different spiritual levels. In a church that's of any size at all, there's different people at different places on their journey. And so what people tend to do when they get this syndrome is they, they tend to look around and find somebody that they are just a little bit better than in their minds. And they say, because, because... I noticed some deficiency there. I'm doing a little bit better than that, so I must be okay. Well, you don't know all that's going on there. And that is not a proper way, according to the Scripture. It says when we compare ourselves with ourselves, we do not well, the Bible says. So it's not recommended. Most of us are trying to justify some inadequacy in our own lives when we do this. Well, I'm just about as faithful as they are. I'm about as involved as they are. I participate about as much as they do. I pray about as hard in the altar as they do. I work around and am involved in the church about as much as they are. And the Bible says to not follow crowd to mischief. If blind Bartimaeus had followed the suggestions of the crowd, he would have never received his sight. Had David compared himself to his brothers and justified inactivity, he would have never slew a giant. Had the lady with the issue of blood 
followed the social mores of the day and the traditions of the day, she would have never been healed. Had Elijah did what every other prophet in the land was doing, he would have never seen fire fall from heaven. Had that one leper done what the other nine did, he would have never been made whole. There was a willingness to say, God, I'm going to step out and do what you're challenging me to do, what you're leading me to do, what you're directing me to do. And so we cannot compare ourselves or justify some deficiency in our lives by saying, well, I'm I'm doing as good as that person. Or you hear about one little blind spot in a person's life and you throw out the baby with the bathwater because of some thing in their life or that person that you know, and you say, well, if, if they do that, well, then, then, then that, that, what, what's the use? I, I can do this over here, and there's no difference. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. Amen. I don't look for loopholes. I don't compare myself with somebody else. This right here is the measuring line for all of us. In fact, this is what we will be judged by. I'm not going to be judged. You know, there, this, this test that God's given is not on the curve. You know what I'm talking about. In school, I always liked that, man. Because, uh, you know, I figured I can at least keep up with everybody else on this deal. And if, if you know, if, if the highest score was a 95, then that's, that's, that's where you're going to start. That's going to be the highest score. And, and, you know, so if I get a 90, I'm still way up in the grade, uh, grading on the curve. But God doesn't grade on the curve. He doesn't look around and say, well, you know, uh, they just, uh, this one over here has just not been running well in the race, and so therefore I'm going to give everybody slack. I'm going to let everybody off. I'm going to let everybody live to a lower standard because this one over here didn't make it, and so I'm going to just, uh, I'm just going to lower everybody's standard to meet theirs. That's not how it works. And a church can, as a collective body, can do that if it's not careful. Start looking around and say, well, why is it that they get by with this? They get to do this. You know what? That's their business. I'm not here to judge them. And it's not their duty to judge anything here. But it is my responsibility to preach the Word of God according to how uh, it is written in His Word and, and preach it without fear or favor. And whatever anybody else does is not my responsibility. This is the responsibility that God has called me to. And so, yeah, there might be some areas, but I can take you some places. they got a higher standard than what I require. Amen. Me and Brother Blue know where they stay. (laughs) Ain't that right, Brother Blue? I always just kind of giggle to myself when people think I'm the altar of the altar. I'm like, man, I don't even even make the grade for being the altar of the altar. I'm just trying to be balanced. I'm trying to fly both wings here. I'm just trying to stay between the ditches. Some of you understand what I'm talking about and some of you don't understand what I'm talking about. But what I am saying is is that we're going to walk 
and do what the Word of God instructs us to do. I hear a lot of whispering in the gallery tonight, but I, I'm just telling you that it's the book. And you know what? I've, I've, I've kind of come to this place in life that since I'm going to be held responsible for what I preach here, amen, I'm not going to let people off, amen, and just let it go. I'm going to preach it as the Word of God says it. You do what you want to with it, but I'm going to preach it as the Word of God says it because that's my responsibility. That's what God's going to hold me to. And because He's going to hold me to that, I have a responsibility I can't get out of, and I'm not looking to get out of it. But, you know, a lot of people cast stones at the mailman, but he's just delivering what is already coming. It's already been sent. Don't, you know, don't. Don't growl and bark at the, at the mailman. Bite at the mailman. Amen. Receive it and say, you know what? God cared enough about me to have a mailman that was brave enough to walk up in the yard and put it in my mailbox. Praise the Lord. Thank God for that, that I can receive truth. You don't want to receive, you don't want to receive them bills, but you, you know, if one of them uh, vans pull out in front of your house and, and they want to give you a million bucks, I bet you'll let them walk up in your yard. You want me preaching about all them blessings, but you don't like it when I start preaching about, you know, this is how we got to live according to the Word of God. You like it when I get on that healing stuff and that faith stuff and that miracle stuff and revival stuff, but how about how to live and how to be honest and how to be a person of character? Hello? How about living right, walking right, having holy conversation? Amen. Yeah, those are things that are in that book too. Praise the Lord. Matter of fact, they're in there a whole, whole lot, folks. It's in the Word of God. And so we want to we get all of it. The whole counsel of God is what the Bible talks about. You know... It's important that we don't get into this comparing ourselves with ourselves. Because you'll always find some way to justify it if that's, that's your way of doing it. But get a hold of this book. It's a mirror. It always points you right back to yourself. Always just look right into it and say, oh, oh. Mm, got a hair out of place there. No, it's not a hair out of place. It's a spirit out of whack. Yeah. Then the third sign of an unhealthy relationship is what I call remind me of the rules mentality. Boy, hear mice licking ice in here right now. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, this is evidence that the disciplines of living for God never got down in a person's heart when they live by the remind me of the rules mentality. 2 Corinthians 3, 3 says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but the Spirit of the living God, not in the tables of stone, but on the fleshly tables of the heart. We all have to be taught the truth. Once taught the truth, it should be applied and received, and it should get in our heart. We should receive, as the scripture says, a love 
for that truth. It gets down in us. We ingest it. And the Spirit of God, you know, I've heard of people, and I know of people right here in this room, when you received the Holy Ghost, before you even received any teaching, and I, I understand that the majority of the time we have to receive teaching as we stay open in the Spirit to God instructing us, we receive teaching, we apply it to our life. But I've known of people who received the Holy Ghost, and they went out to participate in some of the things that they were doing before, sinful things, and they just felt, man, I just don't feel right doing this anymore. And so they quit. We need the Holy Ghost to get so deep down in our heart that we can live by that kind of a conviction and that kind of a principle. Amen. I believe God can still convict folks and deal with people and help people. But some people get into a mindset that they got to be reminded every Sunday. I mean, even after they've got it memorized what the rules are, they still have to be reminded of the rules to stay in line. Let me just give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. People who follow God-given instincts don't need a sign beside a cliff that says don't go any further. If they can see, and they, they, they sense that there's a cliff there. God-given instinct says, I'm not going to walk off the edge of it. I mean, you wasted your money putting that sign right there or having to wave it in front of me when I walk up because I got some God-given instincts that tells me it's going to be sure death if I keep on walking this way. I'm going to tell you, the preacher can't live beside you every day. And you've got to get a godly consciousness about you and a walk about you that you've got some personal convictions of your own that says, you know what, I don't go there, I don't look at that, I don't, I don't entertain myself with that, I don't involve myself with those kind of people, I don't use that kind of language, I don't talk, I don't think those kind of thoughts, I don't involve myself with that kind of worldly atmosphere. And if you don't develop that, it's going to be really tough for you to walk with God. Amen? Uh, I don't need a flashing sign on a curvy road to tell me to slow down. If I can notice that it's curvy, I'm going to slow down because I know I'll lose control if I continue to speed up. Now, does that mean that the preacher, you know, you've got to clarify everything anymore. Because somebody take this and run with it. And uh, somebody hear it on the internet, and man, they'll just. Nowadays, everybody's got their phone. They can record that. I get him, boy. I get him there. And I get him nailed down. They take that one minute segment out and extract it out of the whole sermon and get whatever they want out of it. So get this if you, get, you got all the before. That is. First of all, if you want to tweak something and you want to you want to be that type of person that splices things like that, then you 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 probably got the wrong attitude in the first place to be saved. But you do understand that we do preach things and we continue to preach things and we're going to continue to teach things 
But basically, that should be for those that are coming in that do not know. And occasionally, we need a reminder, and we need to be taught so that we'll get it down in us so that we can teach others, teach our children in particular, teach people that we're responsible for and that kind of thing, and, and get it in our heart. But if you've got to have the preacher come back and remind you every service about the same you know, the same things that you should have learned as a new convert somewhere you missed it in your relationship with God. You didn't grow as you should have. Somewhere your growth was stunted, and that is not a healthy thing. Somewhere along the way, you didn't learn that I walk, amen, not wanting to grieve the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost would be grieved with me putting that on. And the Holy Ghost would be grieved with me looking at that. And the Holy Ghost would be grieved with me saying those kinds of things. And the Holy Ghost would be grieved with me giggling at that kind of a joke. The Holy Ghost would be grieved with me talking in that kind of of tone or having that kind of attitude. And the only way that the Holy Ghost can be there to convict you in that way is for you to stay full of the Holy Ghost. And that is your responsibility. That's why we have a daily prayer life. That's why we're faithful to the house of God. That's why we get in the presence of the Lord. But if we got to go back as the Apostle Paul said, and we got to rehearse these same things over and over again. You never get over that hurdle. You can't grow, and you'll never get to where fruitfulness is and blessing is and understand that this is the good life, living for God, and understand that I've graduated from wanting to debate this to understanding that this is what's best for me. It's best that I walk in this life and live this way because in it is fruitfulness. In it is joy, peace, amen, in it, amen, I can be blessed of the Lord and see great things happen in my life. That's why, that's why, amen. Am I making any sense tonight? Praise God, I can feel that I'm not going to get even done with what I thought I was going to get done with tonight, but uh, (laughs) I'll try, praise the Lord. Uh, so, I don't want to. I don't want to be the type of person that gets apathetic about worship and the presence of God. I don't want to ever get to the place that I'm not awed by the presence of the Lord. You know, Isaiah he talked about him being Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. But the first word he used to describe him was wonderful. And if you ever lose the wonder of this, amen, that's where trouble starts. When you can sit back and, uh, uh, when's it going to get over with, huh? Uh, I'm just here to put my time in. I'm just going through the motions of it. Oh, no. You've got to keep the wonder alive. And that's not the preacher's responsibility. That's not the, that's not the praise singer's responsibility for you. Amen. That's your responsibility. You've got to keep that stirred up. The Bible said stir up the gift that is within you. Praise the Lord. You've got to get it stirred up. Every once in a while, you've got to make yourself uncomfortable with some fasting. Every once in a while, you've got to put in an extra hour of prayer to say, you know what, I'm trying to stir up a spiritual appetite where I can hear from God. The Bible said that Joseph or Jacob rather he, he placed those stones out there. What was comfortable about a, sleeping on a stone and using a stone for a pillow? It was not comfortable. 
But you know what? He made himself a little bit uncomfortable there. And he was in a desert place and he was alone. But that's when he saw and experienced a visitation from the Lord like he had never seen up until that point. I'm just going to tell you, sometimes we've got to make ourselves uncomfortable a little bit. That's why we've been talking about fasting. That's why we've been talking about putting in a little extra. That's why we've been talking about doing some things that are out of the norm. Worship, not just in the comfortable flow of what you've normally done. Prayer, not just in the comfortable flow of what you routinely do. But God, let me, let me get myself to a place where I can hear from you and get a visitation from the Lord like I need. Why don't you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands to him. Let's give him praise together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm building a relationship with God. I'm building a relationship with God. And all of us are at different building phases. One thing about this is the building will never be complete until Jesus comes. We'll never get through building until we see Him. Amen. And we're with Him in heaven. We'll never be through in this responsibility of building up our relationship with God. So if you want to build a greater relationship with the Lord, I invite you down to this altar tonight. I invite you to stand around this front with me for just a little while and let this word trickle down beyond just the superficial, down into your spirit. Get down in your heart. Amen. And stir you within and say, God, help me. Help me, Lord. I want a deeper relationship, a closer walk with you. I want to draw nigh to you. I need you more than I've ever needed you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know the mind of the Spirit. I want to walk close to you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God, let this be applied to our hearts.